Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Good morning. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. Minutes from the Fed's July meeting show most officials saw significant upside risks to inflation, and many said that further tightening of monetary policy may be required. Investors currently don't expect another rate hike this year, according to futures contracts. Fed watchers will be listening for clues on policy at the Kansas City Fed annual Jackson Hole Conference that is coming up in Wyoming next week. Chair Jay Powell is expected to deliver remarks, and everybody will be listening. So you U.S. Treasury yields turned higher in the afternoon session. We have uh, the 10-year now, and I've mentioned uh, 425. At one point, we approached uh, 4.3%. Earlier today, former U.S. Treasury Secretary Larry Summers was saying the recent run-up in 10-year yields may have further to go. You're looking at 475 on uh, the 10-year, and it obviously could end up being higher than that. So nobody knows But it seems to me we're in a very different era. That is former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers. He went on to say that the focus of the market over time will be on these bigger government budget deficits. Now, the outlook for the near term, well, Mr. Summers is saying he'd be surprised if a U.S. recession started this year. We turn to Japan now. The yen slumped to a level as weak as 146.39 per dollar against uh, or on the Wednesday uh, trading session. This surpassed levels that saw Japan intervene in the currency market for the first time in years last September. The yen tumbled about 5% over the past month. Higher U.S. yields, a broadly stronger dollar, and growing concern about China's economic woes have been contributing factors here. Japan's finance minister, Shunichi Suzuki, says... He's watching market trends with, Doug, a sense of urgency. I think we have to go to China next, where officials have asked some investment funds to avoid being net sellers of Chinese equities. We have more from Bloomberg's Joanne Wong in Hong Kong. We hear these funds have been told to refrain from selling more onshore shares than they purchased. The Shanghai Stock Exchange denied making such instructions. These latest stipulations come as a crisis brews in the shadow banking industry. Rare protests were seen in Beijing after Zhongrong International Trust missed payments on dozens of products. Meanwhile, on stimulus, China's top government leaders have vowed to boost domestic consumption and support the private sector. In Hong Kong, I'm Joanne Wong, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. We turn to the property sector now. Distressed Chinese developer Country Garden warned about major uncertainties in redemption of its bonds. It also said that trading in some of its local notes will remain suspended. Country Garden made the comments in a filing with the Shanghai Stock Exchange. The builder is on the verge of default if it doesn't make dollar bond interest payments missed earlier this month within a 30-day grace period. And interestingly, Doug, the stock Country Garden was up 2.5% 
cent in the Hong Kong session yesterday. Well, down today were ADRs in 10 cent, about 3% loss in New York trading. This was after the company missed estimates on revenue for the second quarter. We have more from Bloomberg's Bonnie Ao. Tencent reported a less-than-expected 11% rise in revenue. That's in contrast to other tech giants Alibaba and JD.com that beat estimates. The lackluster result is a sign of an uneven recovery for China's tech sector. Tencent's net income also came in lower than estimated. It's partly due to a huge fine imposed by regulators that was tied to a government crackdown. On the positive note, online advertising surged 34%, the fastest in almost five years. Separately, Tencent said it plans to unveil its own AI model later this year. In Hong Kong, I'm Bonnie Al, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. To Argentina now, the leading presidential candidate, Javier Millet, told Bloomberg News his bold fiscal adjustment will boost the country's reputation. And Millet said that he would make every effort to avoid default on the country's sovereign debt if he gets elected in October. Millet said that he has already developed a plan to dollarize the economy. I think there's a previous discussion about dollarization. Actually, strictly speaking, it's to get rid of the central bank. The dollarization is an instrumental issue at the end of the day. Argentina's assets sold off after Millet came out ahead in the country's primary election. The slump forced Argentina to devalue its tightly controlled official exchange rate by 18 percent when markets opened back on Monday. Well, some other stories we'll be looking at here on the program. A few other interesting lines. Shorting China stocks is very popular now. It's one of the most crowded trades in the market. And that's from a Bank of America survey. And Fitch told us yesterday in our interviews that it will consider uh, reclassifying or looking at China's A-plus credit rating. That came from our interviews with Fitch's James McCormack. And Tiffany Wilding, an economist and managing director over at PIMCO, was telling us today markets are not yet fully reflecting the risk from a deterioration in the fundamentals in China. And she went on to say... The usual lags, deflationary spillovers, have likely only just begun to impact the global consumer markets. Wilding went on to say this discounting likely will accelerate, accelerate over the coming quarters. Yeah, sometimes this is in the eyes of the beholder. I heard you do the uh, 10 cent earnings. We had uh, Bonnie Ao on that report. 10 cents net income rose 41 percent in the second quarter. And that is a big gain in net income. However, it did miss estimates. Now, part of that is a huge $3 billion fine it had to pay to regulators. So that gives you a little perspective. And also, China is really open for business now with foreign tourists, Doug, but few are coming. Yeah, that's the American Airlines story, right? Mm, Absolutely. Now it's time for global news. The White House is announcing President Joe Biden will be headed to Maui tomorrow, or rather on Monday. Ed Baxter with Global News in the 960 Newsroom. Ed. Yeah, Brian Wright. Uh, this will come as some relief to residents who have wondered why he hasn't paid more attention. FEMA Administrator Dion Criswell today says the work, though, is going on. We have deployed more than 700 personnel to the disaster, with more than 600 already on the island. We have given out $2.3 million in assistance to families, and we have approved over 1,300 registrations for assistance. And she says they'll have 40 canine search teams on scene today, but it is tough going because they don't want to disturb the cultural richness of Lahaina Town. We're working carefully to search the affected areas thoroughly and compassionately, 
while respecting all of the cultural sensitivities. Now, Governor Josh Green is confirming at least 106 fatalities. 27% of the ground has been covered, although many of the fatalities were on the road uh, down by the sea. So uh, the numbers will increase, but they will not increase, we hope, uh, uh, to catastrophic, further catastrophic proportions. We just don't know yet. And he says he was asked about the report of finding the remains of a child. I'm just going to be direct with people because you need that. Um, we can tell it when it's a child because it's a smaller body. Uh, they've opened some access to the area in a restricted way at restricted times. China's defense chief in Belarus says NATO tensions mounted as a three-day visit to strengthen ties with a staunch ally as the NATO member states pump up security with the nation. Uh, visit coincides with increased calls from Poland and the Baltic to tighten border security. As the U.S. Congress heads toward another deadline on funding the government, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer have apparently entered into a deal for a short-term reprieve, but Bloomberg's, Bloomberg's Julie Fine on Balance of Power says the Freedom Caucus may have other ideas. I think that this whole situation is very difficult. And yes, they may cut the deal, but remember how it happened with the Freedom Caucus is they have a lot of power over Kevin McCarthy because of the way his speakership went down. Uh, Julie says she feels they may ultimately come back into the barn because they will realize nobody really wants a government shutdown. And Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis is proposing a March 4th start date for Trump's Georgia election interference trial. That date is one day before Super Tuesday in the presidential nomination race, and the proposed date also potentially conflicts with Trump's trial in New York on falsifying business records. That one is scheduled to begin March 25th. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. I'm Brian Curtis, along with Vonnie Quinn. Our guest is Nancy Curtin, Global CIO at Alti. To take a closer look at markets, Nancy, thank you for joining us. So looking at the minutes, the Fed appears just a tad more hawkish than thought. How does this affect your approach to portfolio management? 
Well, first of all, I have to, you know, the Fed minutes were a little backward looking because uh, from their meeting, uh, we've had an inflation number that was actually better than expected, uh, you know, two months in a row at 0.2%, uh, the handle on headline inflation, uh, you know, 3%. Uh, now, core inflation is still a bit sticky, but remember, 75% of that core inflation number was housing, owner equivalent, rent, shelter, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and when we look at the forward indicators like Zillow rent, et cetera, uh, we do expect uh, that inflation number to continue to grind lower as the year progresses. So look, the Fed's uh, going to remain data dependent here. We've got another jobs number, another inflation number before September. Now, it's pretty clear that the Fed, whether they have one more interest rate hike or two, uh, you know, remains to be seen, uh, but they're going to keep rates high here until they break that 3% mark. I can get closer to their target. But, you know, we're encouraged uh, by some of the components of inflation as we look at it. Several of the members want that now to be 6% and not the median. Do you see it reaching 6%? And when will we see the next rate increase? It's hard to say, right? Even the Fed is so data dependent here. Uh, but I'll give you another data point. Uh, you know, labor productivity was 3.7% in the second quarter. Now we're all concerned about wage growth. But remember, uh, labor productivity is a direct subtraction from inflation. And unit labor costs are 1.6%. That would be a really pleasing number for the Fed. So look, we're going to have to see inflation continue to grind, uh, you know, lower. That's what we expect. One of the risks, though, uh, is that it feels as if the U.S. economy here in the third quarter uh, may actually be accelerating. Take a look at that uh, retail sales number, industrial production. Uh, At the moment, uh, it's a pretty sprightly U.S. economy. So it it could be that the Fed looks at that and says, we need to go another 25 basis points in uh, September. Remains to be seen. They're data dependent. But as I said, we continue to believe that inflation grinds lower here. Yeah, you like the soft landing narrative. And it's easy to to be positive, I suppose, when you think inflation is coming down, maybe not as fast as hoped for, but it's, it's coming down and growth is very solid. You mentioned a couple of items on the growth profile uh, outlook. We need only look at the Atlanta GDP now forecast, which is shockingly high. But then there's also this to consider that basically the market is still expecting the Fed to uh, to cut rates next year. So that's built into the picture at the moment. And we are also expecting earnings to get ratcheted higher. But we've had three consecutive quarters of downgrades in earnings. So you're hoping for a lot going forward. Well, let's just take a first look at earnings. I mean, uh, you know, the first quarter earnings were better than expected. uh, And the second quarter earnings, we're just kind of wrapping it up now with the retailers. Uh, Second quarter earnings were expected to be down 7%. They'll come in down around the 4% mark. So, you know, 80% of companies beat. That's a good number. And X Energy, actually, earnings were in positive territory. And X Energy, uh, margins actually moved higher from 10.6 to 11.2. So not bad, right? But you're absolutely right. As we look forward to the third and fourth quarter, instead of just a beat on negative numbers, we actually have to see some positive earnings growth uh, because valuations are pretty high here. Now, the expectation uh, is sort of flattish for the third quarter, about 9% for the fourth quarter, moving into 12% next year. So that's that's pretty lofty hill to climb here. But if growth remains decent, uh, and as I said, X energy, uh, we could see 
a decent earnings trajectory. So Nancy, Alti manages $67 billion or so for global multifamily offices. Correct. Any concerns about what's happening right now in China? Do you have anybody associated with those areas? So, look, China's a real problem, and it's sort of the antithesis of the United States. The U.S. keeps surprising on the upside in terms of economic stats. And, you know, pick a number in China that's actually surprised on the upside because they've all disappointed on the downside. Uh, and it's not just the stuttering economy, uh, I think, that people worry about, investors worry about, uh, and you've heard it all through today. It's what's going on in the property and shadow banking market. Uh, and this is a real concern. Why is it a concern because China wants growth to come from consumption, the consumer, the C part of its economy. Uh, and if there isn't confidence to invest, 80% of wealth is in the property market and the other bits uh, sitting there in some of these wealth management firms. And if, if you're a consumer uh, and you're concerned about whether you're going to get your money back, that's a real problem for consumer confidence. And no wonder uh, people aren't spending money. So look, we think China's got to step in here. 15 basis point cut in interest rates, like a bucket uh, in front of a bit of a liquidity tsunami. Um, we think it probably gets worse, all right? Uh, China's got to step in. They got, they got to do something here, and it isn't 15 basis points of an interest rate cut. We need Very. more. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.